Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up? This is your homegirl, Complex Angel, and welcome back to another episode of Self Love is My Rehab, where we are all tired of abusing our addiction. I'm about to get my partner in crime, DC, on the line so we can start this lovely show tonight. So please tune in and love yourself. Yo, yo, DC, what's going on? What's cracking, Pim Skelly? How you living? Am I sounding like a robot? Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, what was the vibe of the week? Man, shit, the vibe of the week is shit. Uh, getting getting my clothing brand back together, man. Um, yes. I put a hold on it and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And I've been getting some, some backlash for, um, you know, for not having it uh, consistently going. <laughs> Motherfuckers asking, like, you know what I'm saying, where's the... What's the next merch coming out? When is this? When is that coming out? And I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> but uh but I mean nonetheless, you know what I'm saying? Like I got I got some some clarity and you know what I'm saying, there's some there's some spring cleaning inside my mind just to get, you know, certain negative thoughts and, you know, uh negative energy outside of it and you know, I'm really pushing forward to getting the getting the getting the brand back on, on its feet. You know what I'm saying? I got uh I got two pieces um, I got coming out, and then, you know, like I've been saying, I got some stuff coming out for the winter, and, yeah, uh, yeah potentially have something uh, for the fall as well, so, yeah, actually, I'll be dropping, uh, I'll be dropping a shirt tomorrow, everybody stay tuned on that, and then, uh, okay. yeah, I got some, I got some girl bootay shorts, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, got some, I got some of those. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm, I'm going to add, um, an extra, you know, little piece to it. You know what I'm saying? Quote unquote piece, no pun intended. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I'm going to be adding, uh, I'm adding, um, another little design for that. And, um, and then, yeah, release those. So, yeah, we back on the map, baby. <laughs> yes, we is. Listen, back like we never left in the first place. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So keeping it complex, um, I want to give a, um, I want to say rest in peace to Aisha Fane. Y'all hear me talk about the grapevine all the time. She was one of the regular um, debate panelists on there. Like, well, she was, like, one of the regular debaters on the panel. And um, she passed away on July 2nd. The cause of death family wants to keep private, but they had a memorial for her the other day. And I legit cried. I was emotional. But, like, they, the way they spoke of this woman, this woman was, like, so petite, very gorgeous, very soft-spoken, but she knew how to get attention in the room, and she knew how to get her point across. And when I say that every time she spoke, they gave her respect. They never over-talked her or debated her. And, like, the way they talked so highly of her, they basically said she shaped that show. You know, because, like, she was the one that taught them. Because, you know, they said in between sets, you know, they, they would be playing around and goofing, but they always saw her in her notebook studying the research for the next set and just being better. And they started to follow suit. So right now they're trying to figure out how the show is going to go on without her and what it's going to look like without her. But rest in peace, beautiful. And um, that gave me a wake-up call that life is short. And, you know, you you got to start making life. You got to live life and you have to, you know, achieve those accomplishments. Like, like, um, get those, get those ideas out. Don't let, don't, don't just let them be dreams that you sit on. Get those dreams out. So that really Mm. spoke to me and that's all. Yeah. It it was, it was a hard one. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's a, that's going to be a difficult situation for them, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, granted that they made that show, you know what I'm saying, as as a whole, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's always hard to either try to go on without that person and or try to replace that person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you kind of see it in music groups, you know what I'm saying? Now, granted, it's different because, you know, she unfortunately passed away, but, you know what I'm saying, like, when, you know, groups happen to, you know, depart, like, for example, Temptations, like, they tried to replace David yep. Ruffin, it's like, not your damn mind, like, <laughs> like this is, this is, y'all ain't nothing without David Ruffin, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He yeah, like uh, like Pretty Ricky. It wasn't the same as the Pleasure P. It wasn't like they had. They ended up getting back together with Pleasure P. But like, you're right. But it's never the same, you know. But um, 
I'm wishing them the best of luck. I'm going to just keep rewatching the old episodes until they, if they do decide or not. But it's a very educational show. Um, please go follow them on YouTube, you know what I'm saying, and, like, educate yourself on history that you don't hear about our black culture in the history books in school. Go educate yourself. Yeah. So, with that being said, we're going to jump right into the shut me the fuck up topic. Tonight we are talking mm. about dysfunctional. <laughs> we talk about dysfunctional. Uh, so I came across an article on online.king.edu called Defining the Traits of Dysfunctional Families. And I'm just going to say like a brief definition of each one because it was like paragraphs. So the first one yeah. is pure, poor communication. It says communication is one of the most important building blocks of good relationships. Dysfunctional families are unable to listen to one another, so individual members often feel misunderstood or like their voices aren't heard. The next one, drug or alcohol abuse. When drug or alcohol abuse exists in a family, family rules, roles, and relationships are established and organized around the alcohol and or other substance in an effort to maintain the family's um, homeostasis and balance. Like according to subject matter, family members also tend to fall into certain well-defined roles such as enabler and scapegoat. This definitely hits close to home for me. Another one is perfectionism. In a dysfunctional family, one or more adults may be perfectionists. They have very high expectations for children or other family members and don't accept failure. This has a lasting negative effect, reducing playfulness and assimilation of knowledge in children. Um, lack of empathy. One of the hallmarks of a dysfunctional family is lack of empathy. Parents do not show unconditional love, instead becoming judgmental. Rather than attempting to understand a child's feelings and point of view, a dysfunctional parent might rely on anger, making the child feel guilty or demeaned. Um, let's see. Yeah. The last two, yeah, the last two is control. In a dysfunctional family structure, one or more parents often focus on controlling their children. They might put children against one another and make them compete for affection or constantly compare them. And the last one, excessive criticism. Criticism and other verbal abuse are particularly different for children to overcome. Parents in dysfunctional families often criticize a child's looks, intelligence, value, or abilities. Some criticism might be direct, while other forms are more subtle and relayed in the form of teasing or put down. So, and on another uh, site, I've seen that, you know, they said uh, dysfunctional families, like, they're able to make it to where a child, they, they will understand that this situation is normal. And that really hit close. So this goes into my first question for you, DC. I know that was a lot of different traits, but which dysfunctional traits do you identify with? Like what resonated with you from that list? Um, I definitely want to say empathy. Okay. I definitely want to say that one. That one hits close to home a lot. And gradually as we, you know, talk, you know, through this podcast, more might pop up, but that one just kind of popped up in my head a lot more. Because, um, yeah, I felt like empathy was really, it was, it was a, it was a 50-50 blend with that, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I grew up in a single-parent home, and I somewhat understand how difficult it is to, in a sense, spread your emotions around with it, you know what I'm saying? Because you're solely just trying to make sure that this, this child that you have is growing on a straight and narrow. You know what I'm saying? So, and you're trying to provide, you know what I'm saying, with the little that you do have, if you have anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, I felt like it was it was difficult for my mom, in a sense, to have some sort of empathy for me, you know what I'm saying, because of the, the personal things that she was going through. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, I feel like that happens in most households, but... Um, but yeah, I would say that I would say that one that one kind of stood out to me the most. And the communication part, that one happened because there was lack of communication in, in my family. Period. When it came to me, because there was no communication at all. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the worst the worst communication is no communication at all. You know what I'm saying? At least if you know whether it's good whether it's good or bad, at least you know where you stand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that times where I just felt lost in my family as a whole. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my take. So, sad to say all of them. 
all of them I identify with. <laughs> and it's just so fucked up. You know, like I said, my mom had the drug addiction um, because she couldn't communicate with me. Uh, she didn't know how to communicate with me because she didn't know how to communicate with her mom growing up. Um, my grandmother was very strict on them, so I've heard. And I've seen that strict side come out of my grandma as well. Uh, perfectionism, my grandma really aimed for us to be very perfect. Um, it was certain aunties that would come around, you know, her siblings, and she really felt the need for us to be perfect because she didn't want to hear what they were saying. And I think that that messes up a child because this person, you know, themselves is still trying to people please in a sense and it trickles down to the child. Like, okay, well, why do I always have to change up when such and such comes around? Do they not like me like this? Am I not good enough? But it's like my grandmother just wanted, I guess, like just wanted the criticism to stop because like, you know, her kids didn't make the best decisions for their life. You know, like I'm not even trying to be funny. Out of all four of her kids, you had three that were addicted to some type of substance, and you had one that dropped out and, and decided to be the one that deals with, you know, deals with substances with people. So it's like, what do I have to, um, you know, like, like what, what do I have to uh, brag about my kids? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, I'm going to try to get my grandkids to live the life that I want them to live. And, uh-huh. yeah, out of out – of, Three out of, uh, I would say two out of three, you know what I'm saying, is getting it together. But, but still, as we, were, as, we were, as we were kids, we still had, like, a lot of issues. You know, my sister was a runaway. My cousin was getting suspended a lot. He had anger issues, always fighting. And me, I was just always having these outbursts. Like, I would hold so much stuff in, and I would have these outbursts. And, you know, like, I was the real talkative one at school. So it's like it was always something, like it's always something with them kids. You know, like they would just always say that. They would say her, and it's always something with her, her kids, and her grandkids. So it's like that criticism and that and that aiming to be perfect really fucked with me growing up a lot. So that ties into my next question. Um, did these dysfunctional traits shape your way of thinking and actions growing up? Like how you say the lack I of think, communication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it did, uh, for the most part. Um because I experienced it so much and consistently, you know, it made it difficult to kind of really like get out of my ways. But mm-hmm. um I think yeah, I think it just took some I just I think it just took some growing up and, you know, just natural maturing. You know what I'm saying? Like you your your mind your mind tends to open up to, you know, all possibilities, you know what I'm saying, of either growing up or staying stuck in your ways, you know what I'm saying? And you start to have these epiphanies about life and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You start to ask yourself these questions like, you know what I'm saying, do I do I feel comfortable with you know, with life and how it is and how it always has been or do I feel the need to make a change at, you know, at some particular point, you know what I'm saying? And it's always certain things that, that you come across, you know what I'm saying, that are life-changing situations that will, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put you in that predicament, you know what I'm saying, of, you know what I'm saying, like what needs to change at this point. But, yeah, but yeah as far as, like, communication, like, it took it took a lot. It actually took, it took actions, you know what I'm saying? Like it took horrible actions to have to you know, to take place in order for me to, you know, really feel like, okay, because communication was not the strongest attribute between me and my family and hell, even friends, like, you know what I'm saying, or associates, you know what I'm saying? Like that it just it grew it grew me into being an anti social and socially awkward person because I didn't know how to interact with people on a social level. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that made it difficult for me at, at some point, but um, not to just really say it was it was bad events that happened in my life. It was it was a good one too. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, getting into this clothing brand thing, you know, having to you know talk to potential customers or you know what I'm saying like show my face, speak about my brand. You know what I'm saying? That that helped like you know really boost my communication skills. You know what I'm saying to you know to the highest degree. Like you know what I'm saying? I feel like it. I feel like it took a big leap. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Although I am still struggling with that, but you know what I'm saying with with um with the events that happened in my life, like you know what I'm saying, it really helped, 
you know, at least give me that boost of, you know, better confidence to be able to, you know, engage into those actions. And yep. um, to the empathy part of it, um, for a while, I I didn't think, you know what I'm saying, like people would possibly be able to love me on a certain level. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like because of the way my mom loved me, like I felt like that's how everybody was going to possibly love me, which I wasn't, you know, at some point not comfortable with or satisfied with or even, mm-hmm. you know, all the way happy with. You know what I'm saying? Like when it came to relationships and stuff like that, like, you know, when, you know, when certain, when certain people love me on certain levels, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why, you know, that's what made it easier to be sunken into these people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who oh, weren't even possibly, you know, good for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I've had my mom tell me like, you know, this shit, like she ain't good for you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Something wrong with her. Like she giving me a bad vibe. It's like, were you to say that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I never had a voice to, I never had a voice to express my opinions. That's how you loved me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we, we don't have, we don't have these, these um, parent to child conversations about certain shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Because a parent can easily get offended by that. You know what I'm saying? Because their defense is that, you know what I'm saying? I put food, I put uh, food on the table, clothes on your back, a place for you to stay. But it's like, that's a given. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I should not, I should not be bending over backwards just to get what I'm supposed to be getting from you as a parent. You know what I'm saying? Like that shouldn't, that shouldn't even be, that shouldn't even be a a discussion as to where it's going wrong. Like that should already be a given, especially, you know, like, you know, granted, like, you know, at times like it, a kid could possibly give you a hard time, you know what I'm saying? A kid could Mm -hmm. possibly make it difficult, but at the the end of the day, they're still kids. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. you have to let them know, like, you know, you have to let them know what to understand and, you know what I'm saying? And, and be accepting of, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just leave a kid open for just, you know, every possibility of what what you is right is wrong or vice versa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So but I I've I've changed the narrative on the empathy part because I've I've learned to love myself and tell myself there is no better love, you know what I'm saying, for you than the love that you give yourself. You know, so mm-hmm. that's how I pretty much, you know, dealt with that situation yeah well for me I know I said I identify with all the traits but I'm going to narrow it down to like three that I struggle with uh my mom having her drug abuse um the communication and the the excessive criticism because like I want to say the excessive criticism and the perfectionism kind of like tied into like tied into one because it's like, because my mom was always in and out, you know, like there would be times where she would come uh, to my grandma's house to sleep, you know, like that was her resting phase before going back out into the street. And I would always say, are you going to be here when I get back home from school? And she was like, yeah, I'm not going nowhere. But then when I come home, she's not there. Like I'm looking in places that humans can't even hide. I'm looking in drawers. I'm looking, you know what I'm saying, in like little cabinets in the bathroom. Like where did my mom go? That made it very hard for me to get close to people growing up. Um, I played damage control in relationships because it's like, in my mind, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, this is going to be forever because I give my all in relationships and I'm a very loyal person. So it's like, I I kind of play, I, I, I don't get too close because in my mind, if my mom can always leave, like it's nothing, you who I'm still getting to know, what 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 makes you, what makes me believe that you won't do the same thing? Um, lack of communication. It was very hard for me to communicate with people growing up. Um, BC, I probably you probably never seen this side of me, but other people from high school and middle school know how I, my attitude was just very over the place. I never knew how to express myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was very defensive because my point wasn't valid growing up. So it's like with my friends. Right. When I felt like they were trying to talk over me, I, I had to get extra defensive. And it it was a strain between a lot of our friendships. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to even lie. Like, it affected me and Queen Kay's relationship growing up. Because, like, by the time when I met her, I was going through so much bed bugs, 
you know, shit going on, you know, people running away. It was just so much going on, and I couldn't talk about it. So I was very defensive, and I had this snappy-ass attitude. Um, the perfectionism and the uh, excessive criticism, me and you just talked about this a minute ago, how I'm, I got two podcasts, and I just dropped my second book. And, you know, on top of that, I'm a case manager. And sometimes, you know, that uh, goes into my weekends where I'm catching up on work, and I still feel like I don't, I'm not doing enough, still feel like it. But people <laughs> on the outside in, like, Tasha, you know what I'm saying, you're doing a damn thing. But it's like I don't feel like I'm doing enough because when I was bringing home, and I say this, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at my grandmother or my mom. I understand why they were very hard about certain things because of what they didn't have growing up. But when you bring in home 3.7s and 3.5s and sometimes like a 4.0, no, I, I, I can never get a 4.0, but like I'm bringing home 3.5s and 3.7s and all you hear is that was good, but you can do better. It's like, yeah. damn, I will never be able to know what that looks like because I'm always striving for better and that shit does not fucking exist like per- perfect is not out there you know what i'm saying right. so i struggle with those the most like it shaped my beliefs i'm always in my head about like you know what, what what's the person going to think about this what's the person going to think about that and i'm really trying to get out of my head because we say it on here all the time it's about what you feel it's about self and i'm just now getting to a place of understanding who i am and what self like you know what I'm saying? Because I've neglected her for so long trying to make other people validate me. I needed someone in my space to see that I was good enough to be around because my mom couldn't do it. But I understand that addiction is very strong and it's not them, but I didn't understand that growing up. I just want my mom, you know what I'm saying? Like, what can I do to keep you around? Like, you know, but that, that, that addiction was too strong. You get what I'm saying? But, you know, she kept me in a safe place, but it's like, I didn't see it like that. It's like, no, I want my mom. (laughs) But that ties into my next question. Around what age did you realize it was time to change the narrative? Uh, I I would say around the age of 20, (laughs) when I had my child. (laughs) That's, That's when I felt like it was time to change the narrative. And, you know what I'm saying, that may be that may be the typical, you know, stereotype, you know, statement to say, but you know what I'm saying? Like that was real, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. the way I was feeling around the time, you know, around those nine months, I should say, uh, I wasn't in the best light, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. even, even when, even when, you know, I knew she was coming into this world. Like, it took for her to actually be here, to actually hear her first cry or give her her first smile. Like, that's mm. when I knew it was like, okay, it's time to change this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, yeah. before she even came into this world, like, I was still in in my darkest moments, you know what I'm saying, hiding mm. behind the fact that, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm loving on someone and they're loving on me. Or, you know what I'm saying, I got these friends that are finally coming around and, you know what I'm saying, I'm able to hang out with these people like, I still wasn't happy, like, you know what I'm saying, because, like, it was already, like, the damage was done, you know what I'm saying, and it was hard to come back from, so I look at it now, like, I thank God for my kid, like, even though I felt that I wasn't ready at the time, like, I thank God for my kid, because if she never was to exist, I'm not even trying to be funny, but ain't no telling where I would be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether whether it be on this earth or not, like I was really, I was really in a dark place. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important that to at least have someone to talk to on that level. You know what I'm saying? Because a person can hide hurt, and they can go through it by themselves to the point where they can't take it no more. That's where the suicide shit just happens to come into play because they don't have nobody to talk to, or if they do have somebody to talk to, they're talking to the wrong people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? you or take the time to understand you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i feel like that's what i had went through all my life you know what i'm saying just not being able to be understood you know what i'm saying and like you were saying like you know with the whole grades thing <clears throat> and how like you know when you basically put all of your efforts into you know into your academics or at least you tried you know what i'm saying despite of all of the things that were going on at home you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying it was like 
okay, that's good, but you can do better. You know what I'm saying? Or versus, like, if you just come in and you just drop an F or, like, you know, a couple Ds and a C type of thing, oh, yeah, you about to get you about to get suplex. Like, you about to get clothesline. But it's like, mm-hmm. why am I getting so much attention for all the bad shit that I do versus yep. the lack of attention that I get just off of either basic or overachieving things? Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they put so much attention on, on your wrongdoings. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's gonna that's what's gonna cause you to do more wrong because it's like in order for me to get my parent, you know what I'm saying, or my guardian at that time attention is to act out. <laughs> you know what I'm mm. saying? And it was like I could do neither or. I could do yeah. neither or. You know what I'm saying? It was just like it was just like being on autopilot as a kid. You know what I'm saying? So when it came to me having mine I just, something came across me just to just, like, really just, like, have, like, my life flash before me up until that day and just know mm-hmm. that I didn't want my kid going through the same thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it was it was a forceful change that came across me to where it was like, okay, when it comes to communication, I'm not going to yell and scream at her when she do wrong or if, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, like, she don't want to open up and talk to me about something at a particular moment. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump to conclusions and start yelling and screaming and all that shit. Like I talked to her with, you know what I'm saying? With calmness, you know what I'm saying? That's what we got. That's what we have to learn. We have to learn to, you know, come forward with situations to let them know like, okay, they came at me calm and collected. So this will make me comfortable to be able to come and talk to them about anything. You know what I'm saying? And I had to tell myself that like, whether, whether it hurts or not, you know what I'm saying, or whether it triggers my emotions or not, like, I still have to come to her to where she's comfortable to be able to come and talk to me whenever, you know what I'm saying, because yeah. you're not going to all, you're not going to always want to, you know, bombard them with all the questions, like, what's wrong, are you okay, like, what's going on in school, like, you know, like, I heard you doing this, this, and that, like, you don't want to pressure them with all that type of shit, you know what I'm saying, and then, you know, when it came to, like, empathy and stuff like that, like, I show, I show my daughter nothing but love. I show her every ounce of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why she's so attached to me now. Like, she's an official, like, she's like a true daddy's girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she loves me to death and it's vice versa. You know what I'm saying? But, like I said, without her, I don't know where I would be. So, like, I think, mm-hmm. I thank God for the simple fact that she is, she is here because she, she changed my life for the better. Now, although I am that's struggling right. with, you know, myself personally still, but because she is here, it motivates me to, you know, work on myself in, a, in order to love her better and on a bigger level, you know what I'm saying, than what I anticipated. And I commend you, honestly, D.C., for being able to change the narrative because that's one thing that is hard, especially when you didn't have the example. And it's like you have to figure out how to change the narrative on your own. And you're right. doing a damn good job. Um, yeah. But it's like, for me... I would say at 29 years old, <laughs> 2019, after I wrote the book, No Apologies, is when I decided to change the narrative. And I'm a real and raw person. Um, what made me really want to start changing the narrative was um, after I wrote the book, I had an interview with Joy Waller. She was on our, she was on our, our show before when we talked about body right. language. But on her podcast, Her Voice Source, um she does like a pre-interview with you and she records it and she's just asking you questions about your family dynamic, um, your relationship patterns and your beliefs about life and everything. And then like she picks her questions and what she's going to interview you live with. But when she was asking me questions about my family dynamic, it's like certain questions just spark shit. And that day I went to her, you know, um, I was uh, possibly pregnant. I had, you know, I thought I was pregnant. It was a false alarm, but that time I thought I was pregnant. Um, I had the mm-hmm. thoughts of getting an abortion. Huh? <laughs> I was just joking. I was just saying it's bad. Oh, no, no, no. It was like, it was a, um, it, it was a, a pregnancy, uh, t- like it came back positive. And um, I was, on, I, was um, I had a, a scheduled checkup for later that week, but I had to do the interview because I'm like, I got to get the book out. And it was already in my head, I'm going to get an abortion. I have it scheduled for this date, you know. But it's like here I am 
doing an interview about my story and telling about my life and my life is still all over the place. And I'm like, I need to do better with my life because I can't sit up here and write a book and I don't have shit to show that came, I don't have anything good to show that came from this book. I need to get my life together. And when I went to the uh, doctor and it turns out it was a false alarm, I knew that was God giving me a second chance. Like, you, you got to – and I, I can't even say that's a second chance. He was giving me another goddamn chance. Like, I need you to get it <laughs> right. together. And I kid you not, that's when self Loves My Rehab came. Then, boom, Queen Survives the Vision. Then, all right, now I'm about to start writing the next book. Like, I really realized it was it was time to change the narrative. It was time to start really asking myself those uncomfortable questions about myself. Why am I so – afraid to grow? Why am I so afraid to get close to people? Like, I really had to start doing shadow work, and I'm still doing it to this day. It's just, it's, a, it's a nonstop thing, but it was just that day that I got tired of holding in secrets because I couldn't even tell her. Like, I was just sitting there just trying to keep it together while answering questions and just answering the questions and thinking about everything that I've seen growing up. It's like I thought I was this shelter kid, and I thought that everything was normal, just like the article said. You know, kids in these dysfunctional situations are are taught to believe that this is a normal situation. When you get around other friends and you see how their family members and you see how their moms and dads are so patient with them and, you know, able to talk to them and don't cuss them out, wait a minute, I didn't get that response growing up. What what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you, I kid you not, the other day I was with my homegirl, and we was dropping her cousin off, and her cousin's son had called, asking his mom, can you walk me through how to make noodles? And she walked him through it. And I said, nigga, my mama would have said, get the fuck off my line. I'll be calling about that stupid. Like, she would have cussed me out. Like, she wouldn't have <laughs> fucking walked me through it. So when you start to see other examples, you just realize something's not right here. Something's not right. You get what I'm saying? Because you feel more comfortable around other people's families versus wanting to be at home. You get what I'm saying? Like, we was just talking about it earlier today with the movie Charm City King when his mom kicked him out, 13 years old. You know, like you said, that's pushing them closer, you know what I'm saying, to do most shit that you don't want them to do. We, instead of disciplining, we need to ask what's wrong. Like, my mom only really felt the need to communicate to us after the damage was done. Like, my sister was a runaway growing up. And... One time she ran away, and it was, like, for a minute. Like, it got to the point where we had to start putting Have You Seen Me posters. And then people at school got out. It got out to them, and they're asking me, you know, are you okay? And it's, like, it was just a lot. And my mom would tell her, my mom would tell her then about the stuff that she went through. But it's, like, why aren't you talking about this beforehand? You know what I'm saying? Why aren't you even? And, like, the communication would come, but then the discipline would come. But never what what's going on in your head to make you want to do this? What are you not happy about? We never heard that. We never got those questions. You get what I'm saying? So it's like I had to start asking myself those questions because when I have when I have a child, I want to be able to change the narrative for them. You get what I'm saying? So that ties into my last question. Um, what has been a challenge for you with overcoming your dysfunction? Like has there been anything that you still struggle with? Uh, communication. And communication okay. is definitely still, you know what I'm saying, on, on my behalf. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when it comes to, when it comes to communicating with my kid, like, that's, that's a walk in the park. And I guess it's because it's separating, you know what I'm saying, my personal life versus, like, you know, my dad life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, as a kid that I'm talking to, I mean, you can easily talk to kids, you know what I'm saying? Or you can easily <laughs> get rejected from kids, like, type of thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't it doesn't have an impact, you know, the same impact as it would, you know, with, you know, people your age or, you know what I'm saying, anybody older than you, you know what I'm saying, your peers or whatnot. So, yeah, that's something that I'm definitely struggling with still. Um, I'm not a initiator, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like because, because of, like, my resting face, my my resting expression on my face can come off as mean. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I'm depriving myself from possibly, you know, having conversations when, you know, the opportunity is there or, you know, hell, even, you know, making friends when the uh, opportunity is there. You know, right. so uh, 
So, yeah, I think that one's definitely my biggest challenge is, you know, definitely trying to communicate with people because, you know, like I had mentioned before, you know, communication for me was the most difficult thing ever, you know what I'm saying? And it all started in middle school, you know what I'm saying? Once I got to, once I got to middle school, uh, a particular one to be exact, like around seventh grade or so, I remember my very first day, I was nervous already too, which which made it even more fucked up, you know what I'm saying? Because you always you always get that, that um you always get that nervousness in your stomach and shit because you're around new kids and stuff like that. You just never know what to expect. And the last thing I thought would happen was that, you know, I get physically talked about, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I'm gonna just I'm gonna try to make it funny because like at the time like my chin was the hot topic like you know what I'm saying like at that particular point like you know what I'm saying like that's what stood out and that's what you know unfortunately the class clowns or you know what I'm saying just people in general saw was my weakness and I and you know it just became you know what I'm saying the the talk of all of middle school now granted I didn't get I didn't get none of it in high school but the damage was done so much in middle school to where I was just really an antisocial person, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And it was like the paranoia from it was so strong that honestly, I don't even think people pay me any attention as far as, you know what I'm saying? My chin in high school, but it would, it would make me scared to even approach anybody or talk to anybody because I felt like that's, that was what was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because I would go home and like legit cry. I would look in the mirror and cry. Like it, it would give me. It, it got me to a point where like I really hated myself and like all the flaws that I had on me physically. Like you know what mm. I'm saying. And I think I think we had touched on. Well, I think I had touched on this in um, in one of our um, uh, episodes. I think we were talking about uh, uh, suicide or something like that, or depression. It was. It was depression. Um, yeah, it had got me. It, it got me to such a depression level to where it was hard to withhold, and it was mm. to the point where you know I had thoughts and pretty much damn near took action of like you know cutting at my face. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much like cutting my chin off, like type of thing, because mm. it was it was it was something that I just could not shake. I couldn't shake the fact of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Like, it's on me. Love me or hate me. I don't give a fuck type of thing. But, like, what kid has that mentality at that age? Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, they may not show it at times, but, shit, you you have some kids, you keep picking on them long enough, you're going to find out that you've been on a hit list. And, <laughs> you know, when time strikes, they're going to start crossing the damn names off the damn list. Like, it's, it's yeah. been situations like that where kids, like, actually be having that shit. Um, mm-hmm. And this show 13 Reasons Why I had pretty much uh, shown that shit. I'm not going to go further into that, but if y'all haven't seen that, go watch it because, like, that's that's real shit. Like, they really expose, like, how kids, like, suffer through school. But, um, but yeah, communication is definitely the one that I still struggle with, and honestly, it's, it's the last one I would want to struggle with because, yeah, you know, you, you definitely would just love to just have conversation or, you know, just love to have someone to talk to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, yeah. kind of relieve certain stress that you may have in your personal life. But, you know, mm-hmm. communication goes a lot, you know, it goes a lot further than, you know, just having to talk to somebody. Like I said, like it it pretty much damaged me, damaged me at a person at that point in time where, you know, I just didn't really like myself. So I would give mm-hmm. in to anybody who did like me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that was the, that was the fucked up part about it. That part. Um... The one that I'm, the one that still has is a challenge for me is getting out of my head, um, still being hard on myself. Like I'm learning to be gentle, but I still have my days where I'm hard on myself. Um, I get in my head about my attitude, my anger, and I know I've come a long way with my anger because I'm able to actually laugh now when people joke, and I'm actually able to snap, you know, to clap back. I used to be the one that would get real quiet and be in my head, like why are they picking on me? But I still get in my head sometimes about my attitude. I still compare myself to people, you know, especially after, like, the breakup. I was definitely in my head about, like, what what could I have done different? And it's like, honestly, I'm not in control of anything. 
And I think wanting to be in control is, is still a subtle way of me trying to strive for perfection when I know wholeheartedly perfection does not fucking exist. So, like, um, I'm just really trying to get to a point of not caring what people think. Um, I'm slowly getting there. I am. I'm not even going to say I'm trying. I am doing it. You know, I'm getting to a point where I can be by myself and not feel like, okay, I need to go hang with somebody today. Like, I've been hanging in my house all day. I don't even want to go nowhere. Before, I could not do that. I Every day, I had to be out the house. Like, I only saw the, my house, my apartment when it was time to go to sleep because I didn't know how to be by myself. And now it's like, I love it, but I still get in my head about certain things. I still take certain things personal. And I know with time, you know, it's going to change. I'm just taking small steps. And I know that, you know, I'm taking small steps towards change. And I know these small steps will evolve into bigger change because as I'm changing that and it becomes like second nature, it's like, damn, you know, it's how she is growing. So right. that's my take on it. Um, but, yeah, that was a damn good segment. How you feeling? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> that, was a, that was a damn good segment. Hey. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into the stimulate your mind question. Drop it, DC. That's the part I don't fucking like, but here we go. Oh, Fuck it. Give me the green Let's get my correct. I'm sitting in the car with the AC on because it's hot as shit. Um, okay. So my simulation my question this week is which one is more conniving, the heart or mind? Oh shit. Um In your opinion. My opinion. <laughs> it's my opinion. <laughs> In your opinion, um, which one you think is more canonical? I would probably say the heart. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. I would probably honestly say the heart. And I'm going to just stick with that. <laughs> you ain't going to go into detail? The heart. Okay. Okay. Self-explanatory. Um, I'm going to For me say... <laughs> I'm going to say uh, the heart, too. And I think that it's more conniving because it's very misleading. And what made me come up with this question is because I follow Inner Soul Journey on um, Facebook. And uh, she always has a horoscope for the day. Like, you know, she always uploads, I think, every Sunday, Mondays, and Wednesdays. And this one said, Leo, you need to start following your heart versus following your mind. And I was like, fuck no, because my my heart has led me down some fucked up ways. Like, it's attached itself to some people that just was not good for it. You okay, Avery? <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. sorry. All, I heard was, all I heard was fuck no baby when you said that. Yeah. But, like, it has led me down some some lanes that I did not want to go to, go through. And it's like it was my mind that was thinking with common sense, but my heart refused to listen to my mind. I feel like even though, you know, we say like our mind can be our worst enemy, I feel like our heart is a little bit more vulnerable. It's been so many times I've had to lock my heart up because she doesn't really understand what real love is. Like she's starting to understand what she wants, but I need to focus on loving myself so that it can feel genuine to me because it's not, you know, like, I'm like how you said, how you said that people talked about you so much. So when people did want to be around you, you indulged in that because it felt so good. You wanted so much of it. I'm like that in relationships. You know what I'm saying? Like with my friends, they would say, I love you. Yeah. With my friends, they would say, I love you. And I'm like, why? But it's like I would, you know what I'm saying, skedaddle across the moon to hear my man say I love you. You get what I'm saying? But it's like when they would take it away, it's like my heart, okay, what can I do to get, you know what I'm saying, the grand gestures again or like, you know, the compliments, the praises. What can I do? So I feel like the heart is more conniving. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really go and just let you just, just like, you know, dissect and shit without me doing I was just fucking around but uh, <laughs> but no, um, you said what? Nothing. Oh, you talking shit? Okay. Um, 
But no, yeah, like, yeah, definitely the hardest working I've you know, for, you know, for many points, including what you said, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, I definitely, I definitely listen to, I, I listen to my heart more than I did my mind. You know what I'm saying? Because like mm. you said, like, our minds will pretty much tell us the real shit, you know what I'm saying? To a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? It was, it yeah. was tell us the real shit to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? But we we tend to, you know, go with go with that gut feeling, you know what I'm saying? And that, you know, that heartful feeling, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like with, between the between the gut feeling and the heart feeling, you know what I'm saying, at the same time, I feel like those are like your guardian angels really speaking to you type of shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like we don't listen to them still when it comes to us listening yeah. to our heart, you know, over our minds, you know what I'm saying? Because we're listening to what we think is going to feel good, you know what I'm saying? What's going to nourish the heart in our, you know, in our beliefs, you know what I'm saying? Like from what we see, just based off of what we see, like, you know what I'm saying? We go off of based off of what we see, you know what I'm saying? With the heart seat, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I've I've been, I've I done been tricked the bitch like many times just based off of listening to my damn heart, like for real. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's not, and that's not even dealing with people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like shit, that's just dealing with, like that's dealing with you know the um, financial decisions and shit like that. Like you ever you ever just had a check and like you just been waiting to splurge on yourself and you be like you know what fuck it I'm gonna go ahead and splurge on myself. I think everything good. Uh, you know what I'm saying as far as bills wise. And then boom, an automatic payment come out. You know what I'm saying? Or you know what I'm saying? An automatic payment tries to come out and that shit hits your yeah. ass in the negative type of shit. And you be like God damn it! Like I was I was heartfelt on fucking buying these new shoes. Or, you know, oh, some shit like that. And it's just like, you know, you fuck yourself over listening to your heart so damn much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you, try, cause, you know, you try to take advantage of the moment. You know what I'm saying? And which at times ain't nothing wrong with. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, you know, if you if you hungry and you just happen to go to your favorite restaurant and you this is your first time probably eating throughout the day and it's like, you know what? I'm going to buy two burgers. And I'm gonna give me a fucking mm. medium fry and a large drink, and you only take like maybe seven bites out that burger and two fries, and now you just wasting money. You know what I'm saying? You just right. go up based off what your heart feels. Your heart feels like you hungry as shit. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's gonna be that's gonna be the feeling that you listen to more than anything. So yeah, that motherfucker definitely conniving this shit. <laughs> I don't like it as much. Yeah. I need to I need to have a whole conversation with my heart for real. <laughs> your heart. <laughs> like, nigga, you need to be strict and shit. <laughs> real okay well, all right then lead us over to the life side as you like to call it let's do the shout outs and appreciation yeah. <laughs> hell yeah let's go ahead and get that shout outs appreciations out of the shit you know I ain't shame uh, shout out to self love is my rehab this has been a therapeutic for me you know what I'm saying to be become a better person on a day to day basis um Shout out to you, Complex, for allowing it to happen, because without you, there would be no D.C. There would be no expressive D.C. It would probably be a, a chaotic one, but it wouldn't be an expressive one. Um, <laughs> shout out to God, because without him, none of that would be possible. Um, shout out to Dynamic Culture. That's my baby. Don't play with it. As I mentioned in the Vibe of the Week, I got some shit coming out. I'm actually dropping the shirt uh, Monday um, and make it available for pre-order. So once I drop it, um, shit, I'm going to spurge on it a little bit. The first 10 people that uh that like that like the picture will get a certain dollar amount off. <laughs> okay. They'll 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 get uh they'll get probably I'll probably say like five dollars off of the shirt. You know what I'm saying? That's first right. ten people you know what I'm saying? First ten people that um that like the post or whatever when I drop it, which will probably be around noon. Actually I wanna say probably Oh shit! Well, you better try to find some way to try to make it, make it, a, make it a thing to like it. So at twelve noon, I'm gonna drop a picture. You know what I'm saying? So be sure that y'all look out for that. The five dollars off, um, off the new uh, shirt. Um, and yeah, um, got winter shit coming. Uh, potentially some fall stuff coming. Um, and like I said, I got the girl shorts. Uh, that I'll be uh posting pretty soon once I uh add some more things to it because I don't think it's enough on there. Yeah, I'm that dedicated, and I'm and I'm sensitive about my shit. So I've tried to make it a perfection. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? It's a movement. It's a dynamic movement, man. Um, and yeah, shit, that's all I got. So to close it out, shout out to all my positive queens and kings with positive vibes and positive energy. 
And shout out to all my negative Karens with all that negative vibe and nasty-ass energy. We still love y'all <laughs> at the end of the day. We still wait for you to catch up, Mustard. Hurry up, nigga. We running out, out of ketchup and Mustard. Yo, good this. Um, <laughs> so I want to shout out this podcast, So Club Fun We Have. It has helped me to become a better person every day. Um, I am so proud of how far this platform has come. Like, you know, I was trying to get this shit out in December 1st. I was like, we got to go to work. We just going we just gonna go. I think, remember we had, I think, I think your call kept dropping and we had to keep me starting over the saying. Yeah. I just think about how far we've come, dog. Um, <laughs> shout out to No Apologies. That's at the platform for self-love on rehab and can survive the business. Listen, guys, please go to Amazon.com. Orders, no apologies. You can get it in ebook for eight dollars. You can get it in paperback for fifteen, or you can order through me. I take cash app and Zelle. Uh, please buy that book because Out of Darkness is coming July thirty first. Uh, pre orders have been shipped out. I am still dropping off pre orders to people in Philly. If you do not answer, I'm gonna have to treat you like Amazon. Take a picture and say it's been delivered. You know what I'm saying? Because yes, I want sir. you to get this content. Okay. Um, I will also, you can also order through me as well for Out of Darkness. I take Cash App and Zelle. Please follow me on Instagram at complex underscore angel 90. I'm telling you, you guys, this is a story that has has never been told. You know, it's time to see what happens after the victim leaves, you know. And honestly, a lot of people are going to probably feel like, damn, she made me look into my own life again. Listen, join the table because I realized how fucked up I was after this book. But I'm just glad and see I see how far I've come. But I also see what I gotta work on. Um, shout out to God because the strength that he gives me, the clarity that he gives me, um, because of him I'm not emotionally numb anymore. I'm able to feel. I always thought that crying was a weakness, but I'd rather be able to cry and get it out instead of suppressing and having random outbursts and then, you know, building up so much to where I just wanna commit suicide. Like I can honestly say that I have not had a suicidal thought since self-love is my rehab has started, like since I've created this podcast. And I can say that, um, you know, like just the, the strength of God, I've just been getting to. Like, I, I don't know. It's like I'm, I'm shocking myself at how far I've come because I used to be scared to live by myself. I didn't think that I was strong enough to live by myself, you know, but it just feels good to say, like, I haven't had a suicidal thought, and it feels damn good, you know. Um, yeah, so that being said, you know, last but not least, I'm going to let DC take over so he can slide us into his little sunshine and unicorns and rainbows and shit, you know. Yeah, what you got for us tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to add this to the introduction, fuck yeah. Hey, what you doing about me? What you doing about me? I know all about that load of A. Oh, oh, listen. Oh God! <laughs> so look, listen. Um, this is—I think this may be the first uh, Karen edition that we um, that we put on the show. But this one's yeah. different. This ain't a white woman. This ain't a white woman. This is a um, a, a Hispanic woman. You know what I'm saying? Respectively yeah. said. Um, so the the post came from the shade room. Shout out to the shade room. But um, it says a uh, Kaiser. Uh, Permanente, I think it is. It's a company. Um, is doing an investigation after a viral video captures Hispanic Karen, as they call her, uh, racially Ooh. profiling a black man at Walmart. So the whole situation was that um, her son had allegedly, you know, lost his cell phone or whatever, and um. Basically, she she accused a black man for stealing her son's phone, and she did what Karens do. She didn't allow the man to leave. You know, what I'm saying the video started off with them in the parking lot. Um, the black man became frustrated about the whole situation and walked inside of Walmart to let them know what was going on. And uh, mm-hmm. long story short, uh, she began to call the police. Um, he ended up going back into Walmart. He followed her in. Um, she followed him into Walmart and felt the need to complain to the manager and everything like that. And he videotaped her, by the way. Um, and she caused all this ruckus for 
her son to basically go back to the car and realize his phone is inside the car. Oh, wow. And, yeah, after all of that, there was no apologies um, displayed. Instead, she told the man to go fuck himself. So, so, yeah, um, I'm going to go with my take on this first. Um, this whole, like, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in a sense where I'm kind of like really getting tired of the whole video capturing of these Karens doing, you know, dumb shit. Like, I didn't think it was going to get to the point where it's starting to, you know, have different ethnic groups, you know, target yep. black people, you know what I'm saying, to the certain extent, you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like if if you really felt like the dude took your son's phone, you could have easily called your son's number, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could have easily called the number, and if, it, if you hear it ringing and it's on him, then, yeah, you got a case. But for you to just simply accuse him of having the phone mm-hmm. with, no valid proof. You just going based off of the fact that he's black and you think all black people steal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like like on some real shit. But um but yeah, like it's it's sad. It's it's really sad to, mm-hmm. to come to this point. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I thought we only had to deal with white people. Like I was it's sad to say I was settling for that shit. But like now, like we <laughs> we got the Hispanic Karen's, I like to call them Karina. Like you know what I'm saying? Like the Karina's out, you know what I'm saying? And she and she went crazy. Um yeah. but yeah, for for her like I feel like I feel like for her to not to even issue an apology after that was just kinda really fucked up. Like I think that's what really justified the fact that, you know what I'm saying, like she it it was it was bigger it was bigger than, you know, issuing out an apology. You know what I'm saying? It was it was bigger than, you know, the fact that your son's phone was allegedly, you know, missing and or stolen. You know what I'm saying? You just looked at the fact that you just assumed that a black person had stole your son's phone and you tried to make it bigger than what it was. You know what I'm saying? There was there was many options of you to be able to figure that out, but, you know, you took actions to where, like, now you went viral and now the people that you work for are investigating the situation and you could possibly lose your job now at this point. So that's how I feel. I mean, this this whole this whole like videotape of thing, like this shit got to stop. Like, I mean, like not even necessarily the videotape of thing, because like now, unfortunately, I feel like that's what's kind of like justifying our innocence in the public is that you got to videotape the fact that you are in the wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? But what's yeah. your take on it, though? Um. Well, one is sad that a Hispanic person is targeting a black person because Hispanic Latinos, they are all a part of us. You know, their their ship just got right. <laughs> sent a different way, and and that's what's right. sad. Um, but when you were talking, it made me think. Okay, because one, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I've seen this video or a similar one. I think the reason why she thought he stole it was because. Um, his son had the exact same phone, and she was like, "Well, how did he get that?" And he was like, "I bought him that phone. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's a different video, but I think I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, if if that was my understanding, like she was like, there's no way that you can afford that. But mm-hmm. you get targeted. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a different one, but it was another. Maybe or, or maybe it was that one. I remember seeing a video similar to that where the lady thought that the guy's son stole the phone because she was like, well, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't afford it. You know what I'm saying? How did you get that? And, uh, you know, he was like, I bought it for him. But the media is the reason why we get targeted. The media always does that. Like, you remember back at Eastern, every time we used to get those alerts about a robbery happened, it was always a black person. It was always. You you know what I'm saying? If it was a white person, that shit probably got covered up, you know what I'm saying, thrown out, you know, your dad's going to take care of it because that's just white privilege, you know. Look at Derek Chase, uh, Derek Joe, whatever the fuck his name is, look at him. <laughs> you know, he's about to get a, 
Yeah, because he's about to get a lesser sentence, and the time that he did before his trial is going to go credit is going to get credited towards that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, look at the whole Donald Trump thing with, oh, you know what I'm saying? I can be able to, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, like based on how he made us extend the vote and, and how he said he was going to barricade, lock himself in the White House. If that was Obama, mm-hmm. he could never, you know what I'm saying? But it's just sad when it's starting to trickle down to other ethnic groups, especially one that is that is us, but they just don't want to identify. They, they separate so much. Um, right, but- I just think it's fucked up. The media uh, definitely displays it. Um, you know, a lot of times if you see a black person in a well wealthy neighborhood, a white Karen will feel like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Um, is it like, you know, is she prostituting? Does she have a drug? You know, a, um, a son that's a drug dealer, you know what I'm saying? How is she able to afford what we can? Because what they see on TV shows is always just the normal working at a nursing job, being a janitor, you know, like we never, mm-hmm. you never see a black person in these, um, in, in like these wealthy Perfect positions, choice. you know, like, they, like, yeah, like there'll, there'll be a cop, you know what I'm saying? But cops, come on now, like that, that's, that's not even a good salary. So it's like, it's very right. hard to believe like, well, you know, how, how the fuck can, you know, you afford that? But I don't know. I just feel like it's fucked up. Like you couldn't even, give an apology. You felt embarrassed enough that so you just had to say, go fuck yourself. Like, you know, the same face. Yeah. But you know you were in the wrong. I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's just one of those stories, dog, that I see will never change. Like, we gonna be 60 years old, probably still talking about this shit, you know? Like, we have to go back to our original roots because we, we are living in so much trauma over here. Like, I still get scared every time the cops get behind me. You know, um, I, I still get scared, you know, like when um, I go to my, when I go to my, uh, my local library saying like, I remember when I was trying to get a library card there, the lady just refused to believe that I lived there. You know what I'm saying? Like she, she just refused to help me. And I had to come back when I showed her that I had proof of mail. It was like, uh, okay. It's like, baby, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're out here. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. we're here. We're not going nowhere. Get the fuck over it. But, right. yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel you on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I I never under, I never understood and probably will never understand, you know what I'm saying, the hatred that, you know, black people have in this country. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, granted, you know, some of us are a little bit rugged and rough behind the ears and, you know, ashy behind the ankles. But it's like you can't identify all black people as, you know, a small minority of destructive black people. You know what I'm saying? And not even to even, not to even, you know, justify their destruction, but, you know what I'm saying, there's some meaning behind it. You know what I'm saying? There's a story behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we struggle to try to make some sort of stability in this country. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you got foreigners over here that can build cartel homes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can build these homes in these odd-ass neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And be able to live just fine. You know what I'm saying? Freshly yeah. new cars, just fine. Just yeah. fine. You know what I'm saying? So, what do you expect from certain people? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, what do you expect from, you know, from people who are, like, legit born in this country and can't live like people who just came here to live? We were here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We've been here. You know what I'm saying? We ain't fresh off the boat or none of that shit. Like, we've been here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. You know, one can only hope and, you know, just, you know, hopefully make uh, memories out of dreams and, and just hope that, you know, some in some way, shape or form it can pass over. But I know me and you we we've always talked we we talked uh, you know, a few times about the whole uh reparation thing that, you know, supposed that's supposedly supposed to be in the works for um uh, for black Americans, you know what I'm saying? Like I just hope that, you know, if it if it does happen, the ball is on our court at that point. We can't defend you for doing dumb shit at that point because you have the money and the money is the power at that point. Like, real shit, the money is the power at that point. Invest in your shit to where you can have generational wealth and, you know what I'm saying, we can feed 
that that currency into our communities and we can never go broke and we can never have poverty anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We can have that A1 credit to where we ain't got to fucking struggle to figure out how to, you know, fix our credit and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we were to ever get that money, that would be our power to be able to live just as well as anybody else in this country. We just, mm-hmm. we, at that point, we just got to be able to manage and grow the fuck up at that point and realize that, you know, the ball is in our court at that point. So. That's right. Oh, yeah. All right, see? Well, Closes out with the dynamic culture quote, please. You said it. Look at you. You you need a hit to the shit. to the shit. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the closed caption of the show tonight. Hopefully y'all enjoyed. And, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully we we were able to, you know, speak okay. on certain things that hit close to home to y'all. And, you know, hopefully, you know, y'all can take the information that we pretty much sped out. You know what I'm saying? implement it into your life and, you know, move forward the best way possible. But with that being said, the closed caption dynamic culture quote of the night is never get too attached to anyone unless they also feel the same towards you because one-sided expectations can and will mentally destroy you. Now, I picked this quote tonight because I've dealt with situations like that, you know what I'm saying, where you know, I was always one-sided, you know, based off of my feelings towards the individual, you know what I'm saying, and not necessarily um, seeing their side of, you know what I'm saying, like their care for me, you know what I'm saying? Like I've always been a caring, people-pleasing person, and I felt like if I was to give my all, everything would be okay. And I've proven to the fact that that's been a failure. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to, when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, giving efforts and, you know, shit like that, just make sure that it's being reciprocated because, you know, like I said, one-sided, you know, one-sided feelings or emotions or, you know what I'm saying, relationships can and will mentally destroy you because you're going to feel like, you know what I'm saying, you're the only person that's capable of giving back into you, which is at the same time not a bad thing, but if you're going to be adding people into your life, you know what I'm saying? You got to make sure that they do their part. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you know good and well that you're capable and able to do your part. So yeah. make sure you always identify that, you know what I'm saying, before getting emotionally attached to anybody. So at the end of the day, take care of yourself, love yourself on some dynamic shit, peace and love, and we are out. Peace and love, y'all. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.